Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. Let's go ahead and tune our imaginations together. It is National Poetry Month, so I want to be, well, it's already the middle of the month, so maybe you've been celebrating, but I want to wish everybody a happy National Poetry Month. How do you celebrate? I love to listen to poetry readings buy new poetry books, read poems, and marvel in the talent of the poets in our world. So much poetry! There's just so much poetry in the world, and that's such a great thing. Poetry in my life has been like the one thing that has helped me to practice the slowdown of time. Reading a poem is my way of entering the mindset of meditation. When I decide to take a few minutes to emerge myself into a poem, that's when I quiet my mind. I love that it can take just a few minutes out of the day to enter this other world. I find the wisdom and playfulness and observations and wonder and entwined simplicity and complexity of a poem to be a marvel worth exploring. I hope that many of you also have found a way to make poetry a part of your life. And here's something I ponder, and, and, and I want you to ponder if you're looking for a way to add poetry to your world. Remember that there are so many voices in poetry, and I think that's something that people don't often think about. Think of it like it's being, um, you need to be brave to try a new food. So sometimes you just need to sample many bites to find the one you want to order again. It's absolutely okay to keep talking, taking excuse me, samples until you find something that clicks with you. Maybe you start by attending a poetry reading or going to the library and just browsing through the books on the shelf. You can visit poetryfoundation.org. That's a good way to start to explore things poetry. Listen to a poem online instead of reading one. Or ask a bookseller or librarian to help you select a poem. Begin with a sense of adventure and a willingness to sample. I'm going to close with a a poet uh, and a quote. It's so funny. We started um, in my writing group exploring Joy Harjo. And... We have, it's just, it's like she keeps popping up into my world everywhere I go. Last night, I was looking for a quote from, about poetry, and I I went to um, NPR's website. They have some great poems there. And I randomly selected uh, September 2020, you know, just just because they had a whole back uh, log of all their different uh, poem of a day and and all kinds of things. And Joy Harjo popped up. And I just thought, this is, she's just amazing. So... If you get a chance to read some of her work, you definitely should. She is uh, the current Poet Laureate of the United States. And she says, A poem opens up time. It opens up memory. It opens up place. The meaning of a place. The meaning of 
our place in history. That's from an NPR interview in September of 2020, celebrating the launch of When the Light of the World Was Subdued, Our Songs Came Through, a Norton anthology of Native Nations poetry edited by Joy Harjo. A really another incredible collection. So poetry can open up time and slow down time for us. Open up time, slow down time. Open time, slow time. Open, slow, time. Time. T-I-M-E. T-I-Me. Poetry is me and we and the world. So I'm so thrilled to be able to uh, celebrate poetry with you today. Today in the Arts a Radio studio, I welcome Rob Hardy, the Northfield Poet Laureate, and we're going to discuss his new poetry collection, Shelter in Place. Welcome to Arts a Radio. Thanks, Paula. Thanks for having me. It's of great course. To be here. This is very exciting. I'm, I'm just so thrilled for you to have this new publication, Shelter in Place. Mm-hmm. And we've got a couple events coming up, one at Content on Thursday, the 21st of April. So mark your calendars now. You get to yep. go see uh, Rob. And if you're listening from far away, it's going to be uh, broadcast on Facebook Live. Yes. So folks can listen then. And got a, another event at the end of the month in Red Wing at the Red Wing Arts that's on the 29th, and that is a 21st Poet-Artist Collaboration. We'll talk a little bit about that yep. as we get going in the show. But um, Rob was selected in 2016 to serve as the first Poet Laureate, and he's the author of the poetry collection Domestication and the chapbook The Collecting Jar. You can check him out at facebook.com, Northfield Poet Laureate, also on the library's website, and he has a blog. I've got links to those up on the Art Zany spot on the KYMN radio. So tell us a little bit about your world. People may, may not know you. Uh, you do a lot more than, than write poetry. You've been involved in lots of different things in, in our community. So yeah. introduce yourselves to our listeners. So hi, I, um, I moved to Northfield in 1990, so I've been here a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and for most of the 90s, I was a stay-at-home dad for my sons, two sons. Um, and during that time, it's like you have their naps as a time to write, basically. And so I couldn't write a novel, really, during a nap, but I could write <laughs> poetry. So I started writing poetry, basically, because it was like a genre that I could work in. I didn't realize that um, you hadn't been were. a poet your whole entire life. Well, I wrote poetry when I was like in elementary school and middle school. A lot of rhyming poetry, which, you know... I thought was good at the time, but I write very different <laughs> poetry now. <laughs> Although in my in my book Domestication, there's a little preface, and I um, have one of the poems I wrote when I was in middle school in there, just as an example of like. <laughs> it takes time, poetry, right, to, yeah. to develop that poetry voice. <laughs> and I remember too, because I think one of the things I first loved about your poetry was that you were writing about you know, the acts of being at home, you know, with, with the kids. And I, I remember, I, I don't remember the whole poem, but the yogurt making was one that stands <laughs> out to me. <laughs> I think people... Yeah, there was like... also an essay about making yogurt okay. um, that I wrote. But, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as I've gone through different phases in my life, my poetry has kind of reflected those. So there's, you know, a lot of poems about my children and now they're kind of poems about and for a while I was substitute teaching 
early in the early 2000s and so there were poems about teaching and now there are poems about walking by myself in the arm. So. <laughs> well, that makes sense, right? I yeah. mean, you, you want to reflect the world that you're experiencing and try to make sense of it and mm -hmm. try to, uh, you know, put it, put it all together into something that, that you know, grabs you. And right. I think, um, so, so tell us about some of the places I was mentioning in the introduction that sometimes people don't know how to find poets or find a voice that resonates with them. What are some of the ways that you like to suggest to people to help discover poetry? Well, um, one of the things you can do, there are a bunch of places where you can just sign up for a poem a day that's sent to your email inbox, and you can, and then you get poems that are sent by a lot of different poets, and you can be like, I don't like that one, but I like this one, and then you can just kind of discover them. and. Oh, that's a really great uh, sort idea. Sort of flip through them and see which ones you like. Um, I mean... I feel, personally, I really like poetry that's kind of more accessible, that's not um, obscure in a way. Mm -hmm. Some some poets who are a little bit harder to get into, I really like because they challenge me. But, you know, sometimes it's fun just to read, like, um, it's fun to read Billy Collins or, <laughs> or um, uh, Mary Oliver Mm -hmm. I sort of got back into poetry reading a poet named Galway Kinnell, mm. um, who's, I mean, I think they're more accessible poets, and maybe that's a way to start. Um, I think that does make a difference. And to challenge yourself more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think those are really great ideas. And uh, I also thought we should talk about this title, Poet Laureate. Yeah. Um, people don't always know, what, what what is that? And what does that mean? You've been the Poet Laureate since 2016 here in Northfield, and I think you were our first ever Poet Laureate. Yeah. So. Um, poet Laureates have been around for a long time. I mean, there's been one in England since, I think, the 17th century. Oh. Um and usually they are poets who are sort of the official poet spokesperson or whatever for a community. So they will write poems for, like in England, the um, coronation of the queen or the king. And, um, you know, here in Northfield, I've written poems for like the first city council meeting of the year or the dedication of a park. Um, so it's kind of that official commemorative poet of a community, but um, it's also someone who promotes poetry in the community. The uh, United States has had a poet laureate since, an official poet laureate since about the 1950s, maybe. Um, I can't remember exactly when it started. It was originally called the Poet Poetry Consultant for the <laughs> Library of Congress. That doesn't sound as yeah. great as Poet Laureate. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that, that the Poetry Consultant did was recommend books to be added to the collection, like we should really have this poet's work in the library, which I've done at the Northfield Public Library, too, just recommended, oh, you're missing this important book in the collection. Oh, that's good to know, because uh, that's an easy way to access poetry. Yeah, uh, there's is... a good collection in the public library. Ah, that's a and, and you certainly have been helpful in 
you know, creating this or expanding this great culture of poetry. Uh, culture, Northfield has something that's not like other cities, I think. Uh, I think poetry is in a lot of different corners of the community. I mean, it's very, I mean, it's way out in the open on the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of different, I mean, one of the things I tried to do as a poet laureate is try to reach out into the different sub-communities or whatever you would call them in so I did poetry workshops at 50 North and it, at the community school at Greenvale at the Laura Baker Services Association so um, and everybody has an interesting voice that um, should be brought out and heard by everybody else so it was really I mean I was really sad when the pandemic hit and I was working at Laura Baker and had a group of um, residents at one of the houses that they have. And, you know, I would meet them once a month and we'd write poetry together. And for the Laura Baker Gala one year, that year, 2019, we made a little chat book of, oh, their, I remember. of their poems. And yes. it was just so much fun to hear these other voices come out that you might not think of as poetic voices, but they really are. And... Um, so much talent everywhere in this community. Yeah, we have been, and it's been difficult to do um, poetry readings. Both you and I were at the Diane LeBlanc uh, mm -hmm. poetry reading just last week at Content, which yeah. had been delayed because of, it was supposed to be 20, March of 2020, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, her book came out in early 2021, but things were kind of... Oh, we, they, okay. I thought We they, hadn't really reached the first little dip because of vaccination at that point and then just things get got delayed yeah but it was really great to have it last week and you can go look that up online she's a great local poet yeah. I, I i really admire her work as well so yeah and that that's the amazing thing that you know you've got uh school children and up all kinds of people writing poetry and you have so many poets in this town who are actually published poets with books and poems and magazines and it's just um there's a journal that's published in Winona called Lost Lake Folk Opera mm. um and the editor of that has put together their April issue is kind of got a feature in it about Northfield as a he talks about the literary renaissance taking place in Northfield because there are so many good poets in Northfield. Yeah, and, and, and that's something that we can all be blessed with. And so there's so many opportunities and people who will help you if you're interested in poetry yeah. around here. And I, I think I'm just so excited. You, that congratulations on the publication of this mm -hmm. new work of yours, which we want to celebrate today. It's called Shelter in Place. And... Uh, th there's so many beautiful poems in here, but I thought one thing that was really interesting was clearly some of these were written during the time of COVID because mm -hmm. I, it's the first time I had read poems that referenced. So tell me about uh, being able to, you know, process that and think through, you know, obviously it was natural for you to, to go, turn to poetry to, to, to try to uh, understand. Yeah. I was that your intent or did it just kind of come out that way? It kind of just came up. I mean, Basically, the first two or three months of the pandemic, I, I would say from the middle of March through 
July actually um, was kind of like a writer's retreat for me because there was nothing, the world had gotten really quiet and not a, nothing was happening. I didn't have any obligations really every day. You didn't have a bunch Google of family come home? No events today. <laughs> so all I was doing was getting up in the morning and taking a walk in the Arb and it, and my mind kind of cleared and then ideas started coming just responding to what I was seeing in the arb and what was happening. And I was, it, it was like, I was kind of freed from the expectation to do anything, which freed me to do something, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was really, for me, that was actually a really good time, at least creatively, because I was, that's what I was doing. So all but maybe three of the poems in the collection were written during that period. And I've never been that prolific before. I mean, I usually, if I write two or three good poems a year, um, that seems like a good year, but there are 20 poems in the book. Yeah. And, and most of them were written in 2020. Right. And they aren't all necessarily, I don't want people to get the impression that they're, you know, all just COVID, but they're from those observations, from those uh, walks, as you mentioned. Yeah. I which... mean, I think I kind of, feel like if you did like a word search of my poems, the word prairie would be probably the thing that comes up most. So, Oh, that's an interesting are... exercise. <laughs> so, and, yeah, I, a lot, most of them are inspired by walking in the arb, even the ones that are specifically about COVID. They sort of came to me while I was doing that. I needed to get up and do something physical to get my brain working. How, how does a poet decide what is going to be in a collection? And how do you organize that? I always find that really interesting, how to select the way that they're arranged. Yeah, I mean, I think typically these days, po poetry collections are kind of, they have a theme that connects everything in a way. So when I published my full-length collection, Domestication, in 2017, the publisher was like, well, there's not really a theme. They're just like all the poems you've written during this period. So we'll call it collected poems. But so this one, there was kind of a theme because they were all connected to that time period and that place. Um, and so what I, I basically just put them in the order in which they were written because they were responding to ah. the different seasons. So you can sort of see a progression of the seasons in the book and you can kind of see a progression of things closing down and then opening up again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and of course the phrase shelter in place is something, if you'd asked most of us in 2019, if we even knew what that meant or had experienced that, none of us would have known, right? Yeah. That, but but it has so many echoes of nature and, uh, you know, the idea of shelter and um, you're writing about a specific, a lot of times a specific place with mm -hmm. the plants and the trees and the seasons so it's a really beautiful title. Yeah, thanks. I wanted to kind of have that double meaning of finding shelter in the place that you're in. And I was finding shelter in walking in the Arb. And, but it was also sort of the technical term, stay at home or whatever. So, <laughs> Yeah, it does have that double yeah. meaning. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about poetry. This was earlier this week. And this, I don't know, this like I was unloading groceries and it popped into my head. I was like, Poetry is like a puzzle. 
um, in, in when you're trying to write something and that you're trying to sort of su- come to a solution, you know, until you get to the, you know, you hit on something, but it's not like you can go, there's not an answer key that you can go yeah. look something up. But um, it, does that at, at all resonate with you about how you are trying to write a poem? I, I mean, you are inspired by something you see on your walk, but then how do you know it makes a poem? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've had to do, I think, is kind of trust the images and things that come to me rather than trying to force them into a meaning and like have the meaning come out through the images. So I wrote a poem once that I submitted to a journal and the editor said, we really like this poem and we would like to publish it, but would you consider cutting the last two lines? And the last two lines were like me saying what I thought the poem meant, basically. And that has happened, you know, I didn't quite learn my lesson that time, but when it happened again, I was like, yeah, I need to think about my endings because I don't want to, my temptation was to tie things up too neatly. And so I think just kind of what was great about that year was just letting the images and experiences come to me and not trying to force them into a package. I mean, there was a kind of a overarching concern that year that you that was on my mind and on everybody's mind. So that was kind of in the background. And how did these images maybe relate to that overarching concern? But I didn't want to like, every poem is going to be about COVID or whatever. (laughs) So, Yeah, and I think that's something that, at least in my mind, what separates a good poem from a great poem is that ending. That where you go with it is... and, and. you know, a brilliant poem can just sort of take a turn or a twist or a um, share an insight or, you know, kind of cut to the, the you know, where it just grabs you and you're like, oh my, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes a great poem. Yeah. If the, if the poet kind of puts in the moral, then that closes the door for the reader to find their own themselves in the poem. So you, I think just putting the reader into the experience that you had and... And obviously it's filtering through your imagination and your thoughts. So you shape it in that way. But if you just say, this is what I meant to say, then (laughs) it closes the door and the poem doesn't really mean anything for anyone else. It just means what it meant for you, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So so another way of thinking about it is the ending opens opens doors, right? It expands the poem. You think you might have been going... And observing one thing, but all of a sudden you realize, whoa, wait, we're this is about something even more, and yeah. it kind of echoes. I I think, you know, it gives you that chance to make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, a poem I wrote recently, um, I did that because I was thinking about my mother who died last year, and the poem was about trying to find like as I was walking in the yard, trying to find her presence there. Um, And at the end, there was some lines about, like, she's left a world that has more in it than less in it. And that was kind of the idea I was thinking of. But to just say that, you can just say that. You don't have to write that in a poem. Whereas if the poem tells that without, you know, tacking that on as this is what I meant to say in the poem, then (laughs) it's a better poem. That's a good good example of of sh- it's sort of the the old adage show right don't tell yeah it fits it fits in writing but when it's done well in poetry it really can um, 
you know, transcend something that, that it just, it's just really a great thing. And the great thing about a poem is it takes just a couple minutes to read a poem. And that's, that's what I like about it. It's a great accessible way to sort of quiet the mind and, and take a minute to just, you know, ponder something other than what's really on your mind and take a step away. So, and I really like the chapbook format, like the, my new book, because it's got 20 poems in it. And so you can just read it as a series or a set of poems. And that, and I find that when I'm reading a full-length collection, when I get to about 20 poems, I have to take a rest anyway. So Right. Yeah, you, is that, you, there is a limit, right? It's not like a novel where you could read 200 pages in a night. Uh, you would be missing something if you tried to read poetry too fast, I would imagine. Yeah. And this book, we should also mention now, this is radio, so it's going to be hard for people to... Um, be able to share with us, you know, see what we're seeing. But there is a glorious image from a painting of, of one of the great Northfield painters, Matt Clouster. Tell yeah. us about being able to put, include that on your cover. Yeah, that was, I mean, when I did my collection in 2017, Domestication, I asked another Northfield artist, Lilla Johnson, to do that, if I could use one of her paintings for the cover. And she very generous, generously let me do that and then I was like I this is a a poem most of these poems are about this place I want a painting that reflects that that was painted here so I want another Northfield artist and Matt is just an incredible incredible artist and he's also a really superbly nice guy so so he he was like "Oh, oh of course you can do that um so yeah, so I've had a lot of compliments on the cover of the book because it's so it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's a is it a coneflower, right? It's a coneflower. Yeah, and uh, with this beautiful blue and green background, and but the orange of the coneflower and the angle that the coneflower is painted, it's extraordinarily difficult. I think I would think to do. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's really vibrant. Amazing. It's pulsing with it's <laughs> it says prairie. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. So folks should look for that. Yeah, and. I'm hoping to work with Matt on some other projects because he's just really fun to work with and he's just such a good artist. So I absolutely agree. I'm a big fan as well. Folks, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Today I'm talking with Northfield's Poet Laureate, Rob Hardy. We're celebrating National Poetry Month as well as his a publication of Shelter in Place, his new collection of poems, which you can... Join everybody on Thursday, the 21st of April at 7 at Content Bookstore for a reading. I encourage you to go. You'll uh, likely meet other like-minded folks who come to listen um, and also be able to ask questions and hear Rob reading some of those poems out loud, which is a great way to take in a poem. And I think the best thing about readings is you often get the story behind the poem before it gets read, so you get a little extra insight into the time that the poem was created, or the you know uh, you know specific observation or or moment that that inspired the poem, and I like that very very much. And um, he's also going to be there with uh, Greta Hardy Mattel, and it's no mm-hmm. did I say that last name yep. right? Um, it's no coincidence that she shares the last name Hardy. So uh-huh. tell us about your uh, uh, co-presenter. Yeah, so she's gonna read first. She's my niece, um, my sister's daughter. Um, She's currently a junior at Carleton, but she's also a published poet. So 
Were you, um, did you inspire her, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think there's some sort of, I don't know, writing gene in the family, because I have another niece who's also a writer, a published poet and fiction writer. So, Wow, it yeah. does run in the family. <laughs> and so, so what is she going to be reading for um, us? She's had two poems published recently, so she'll probably read those. And um, she's working on a collection, so she'll probably read some of those. We're going to actually... Our plan is to go out to McKnight Prairie this weekend and see the Pasque flowers and talk about the sort of the layout for the reading. So, mm -hmm. um, Well, that I think that's pretty great to be able to have um, a, a, your family member and for her to be able to, you know, be a part of a reading that, you know, she might not get a chance to do yeah, otherwise. And said, so. I mean, when I think of the experiences she's had at 21 that I have still never had, I mean, so, you know, she's spent... Uh, part of a year in Peru studying macaws, like climbing to the top of trees in the rainforest and wow. checking on the chicks in their nest. And she's, you know, spent a year going to school. And when she was like 10 and 11, she was in school in Germany and became fluent in German. And I'm like, she's just so amazing. And <laughs> I read her poems and I'm like, they're so much, so much more mature than mine would were when I was you know, taking creative writing in college. So, wow, another so, voice to look out yeah, for. Yeah, then I think she's really good. Oh, I will be excited to to learn more about her. You've also got an event coming up Friday, the twenty ninth of April. That again is at Red Wing Arts, which is a great uh, art arts organization. If you don't know about it, you can check out them at redwingarts.org. And uh, that's on the 29th from 6 to 7 is a reception, from 7 to 9.30 is a reading. And this is the 21st Poet-Artist Collaboration. And there are, I think I've got eight poets here from, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, from Northfield that are yeah. participating, yep. which is a pretty great showing. Tell us about that event. Um, it, I think that it started out in Zambroda at Crossings at Zambroda and then moved in 2020 was the first 20... Yeah, 2020 was the first year that it was in Red Wing, so they had to pivot to online just as they were starting up this new program for them. But it is a kind of a contest where poets will submit poems that are selected by a panel of judges. So this year the judges were Minnesota Poet Laureate um, Gwen Westerman and mm -hmm. Michael Kleber Diggs. And they, out of like 200 poetry submissions, they picked... 38 poems and then at the same time artists are submitting their work and a panel of judges is choosing artists and then the artists from the pool of 38 poems the artist will choose a poem to create an artwork based on that poem so, oh, so that, they start with the poem and then are inspired to yeah, do the and art then the artist oh. gets the poem and creates a work of art based on the poem. And then there's a really great um, exhibit exhibition at the Red Wing Arts Gallery where you have the work of art with the poem next to it. And so you can see the sort of cross-fertilization or whatever. That, I, I've seen it the art. other way where the art has inspired a poem. But uh, this is a really interesting, I yeah, would imagine, like, for a visual artist to begin with the poem. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, really, it's really a great program and so the reading on the 29th is 
first an open house at the gallery so you can see all of the works of art and you can see the poems next to them. And then the reading is at the St. James Hotel, I think. So Ooh, a lovely so it'll place. Be all the poets reading their work and t the artists talking about their work of art that was inspired by it. So I hope we get a big crowd to show up yeah, for that. I think it'll be really good. And it's it's the first time that it's been in person since 2019, I guess. So um, that'll be great. Yes, and it will. After that, there are individual poets from the who are included in the um, exhibit will give sort of smaller group readings during May mostly end of April and mm. through May so that event is on the 29th and then on Sunday May 1st I'm driving over to Red Wing with Matt Gimsey who's the current um, Living Treasure Award winner in Northfield and so he's a sculptor, but also a really good poet. And we're going to read together with three other poets. That's like at two, I think, on Sunday the 1st. So they'll end. Is that the um, Red Wing Arts again? Yeah, That'll so be that's at, that? at the Depot Gallery. In at the Red Depot Wing. Gallery. Yep. Well, all kinds of ways to experience poetry. Yep. And it's just, I, I love that, that we can finally get back together in person and that we can celebrate some of these things. I thought it, we haven't, I hope we've gotten people excited, like, when is Rob going to read? And now <laughs> we've come to the point uh, where for, uh, Rob is going to read. And um, let us know uh, what you selected and maybe a little bit about what you selected. Well, I actually just was going to open randomly and pick something unless you have something. I know that you've got a copy I, there with some bookmarks. In I know, it, so. I, I marked so many of them. I was trying to figure out which one... Um, because there, there's some that apply to the weather we're having today and the, uh -huh. the spring that's happening. I thought that was an appropriate one. Um, I'm a, a Jane Kenyon was probably the first poet that uh, inspired me to enjoy, you know, just uh -huh. reading about nature. And, and I, her poems felt so accessible. You've got a little poems for her. That would be a great yeah, one. I think that was another thing that was happening during that time that I was writing these poems as I would get up and before I went for my walk, I had the complete poems of Jane Kenyon and I just like read one or two of those poems to start the day. So it was kind of like to get my mind in the poetry mode. Yeah. So, so that's she was a, kind of like the muse in a way of. I, and I love the great conversations, uh, which is one um, just, it was glorious. So closing time is, there's so much. So <laughs> Okay, well, I'll start with the first one you mentioned, Coda, which is okay. about winter never ending. And it might be how we're feeling today yeah. when the snow was flying. <laughs> um, which, another event, which is not poetry related, but I'm in the Northfield Handbell Ensemble. And every year in May, we give a concert. We do it and we do one at noon. So it'll be May 7th, I think, this year. We do one on Saturday noon at the Public Library Atrium, and then we do an evening concert like at 7 at the first UCC. Um, and 2019, I wrote this poem. So it's one of the poems that isn't from the pandemic time, but I just wrote this poem to be included in that program. So it kind of takes a musical theme called Coda. This winter took all the repeats. 
April felt like a recapitulation of March, a light motif of snow running through the forecast, sometimes the deceptive cadence of a 70-degree day. In April, we listened to robins singing in the wake of the storm, a fugue of chromatic, chromatic juncos, and we waited for spring to make its entrance for the last measure of snow, the first note of green in the trees, buds blaring open like trombones in the fourth movement of a Brahms symphony. It seemed like spring would never come, and then it came. Winter's white tune is taken up by the wild plum, and the trees have changed their key from gray to golden green. The snow has taught us not to say, this is the end, but on a day like today, we know we've begun the season's brief modulation into summer. I think we can all relate to that because that feels exactly like maybe that's what's normal now because we had that 70 degree day a couple we- you know maybe it was 2 weeks ago 3 weeks ago and and I think I I felt so giddy and happy. Yeah. The funny thing is when there was a 70 degree degree day here I was in Greece over spring break on a Carlton alumni tour and um it was really cold in Greece. I mean, we were in the mountains and there was snow and it was in the 20s. Oh, burr. So it was actually warmer here than in Greece at that point. It's, it's wonderful. Let's talk about a couple lines in that poem um, that really uh, stand out. Uh, one of them is, I mean, there's so much. There's a fugue of chromatic juncos. I, I'm curious. I mean, obviously we're trying to do some of the, the musical things, but mm-hmm. um, it just, it's such a... a beautiful line and I'm sure it didn't just come to you um, our neighbors have a bird feeder that's right basically right outside our kitchen window so as I'm standing in the kitchen (laughs) I see the birds at their bird feeder and juncos just come in huge numbers and they're black and white Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking about how they're kind of like the keys on a piano and then they kind of all fl- fly away chasing each other. So it was like... What a great a image. Flight. It was... Yeah, I love that. That one really is, is beautiful. And there's also Winter's White Tune is taken up by the Wild Plum. Take yeah. us into that. I think that's just, you know, if you... At a certain point in the spring, the Wild Plums, they have very small white petals and they start to fall and it's kind of like flurries when they're a breeze will blow and all these little white petals will fall yeah and that that, that's what a a nice and it's that transition right between winter and spring and we know that that's coming and of course (laughs) and then the the closing line the season's brief modulation into summer sort of hits us with like yeah remember it only lasts a blink (laughs) yeah and that, that's, uh, you know, really a fun way to end that poem. Yeah. How did you come to decide that that was the ending? Oh, I think once I had kind of established the the controlling metaphor of music, I was just thinking of ways, how, how can you incorporate musical <laughs> terms into it? And I was thinking, you know, going from spring to summer is kind of a modulation, at, at least transcribing upwards into yeah higher temperatures or whatever so it's it works perfectly and it was lovely to read it during this time uh, <laughs> that we're 
you know, longing for that warmer weather and green on trees and flowers. So mm-hmm. uh, just a, a, a delight. So uh, I hope you, are you willing to read another one for us? Sure. Excellent. Um, I mean, you mentioned the one, the Jane Kenyon poem. I could read that. Certainly. Which is in two parts. And this is interesting because, you know, sometimes I'll start writing a poem and I'll think this will work better as an essay like this is maybe a personal essay or something. And sometimes I'll start writing an essay and I'll think, actually, this is more of a poem. This is one that actually was kind of both. So there's an essay version of some of this material. Um, so, Where could people find that if they're interested um, in exploring that a little further? It was in an online journal called Critical Read, which is now called Raft. And I think it's archived there. It's just probably raft.org. Um, and they were doing a series that started during the pandemic called Art is Essential. And it was basically people writing very short essays about works of art that kind of sustain them. Mm, what a great idea. Difficult times or just in daily life. And so I wrote a little essay about reading Jane Kenyon's poetry and how it inspired me to write my own poetry and then it just sort of reworked itself into a poem. And so this is two poems for Jane Kenyon. One. I read a poem to start the day, like a vitamin, a small dose of dailiness. You open a drawer or stand in a doorway, and there is light, but no startling epiphany, only the quiet persistence of things. And it stays with me throughout the morning, the feeling that you have given me Your eyes, each poem a small bequest of light. Four buzzards kettle over the marsh, one crow like an asterisk in the margin of their flight. They fling their shadows out over the prairie, motes in the eye of the sun, suddenly gone. Two. The snail lives inside its burden. The cat sings to its enemy, the door. In the pause between thunder, the loudest thing is the voice of the wren. And I just love that because I, and I wish Jane Kenyon could <laughs> be alive to, to hear you, uh, you know, to make that tribute to her. Uh, it's, I think there's a couple of lines in there when, you know, the one crow, like an asterisk in the margin of their flight is such, I mean, I know exactly what you saw, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just a, such a great revealing image and of course, the the snail living inside its burden kind of talks about, or at least makes me think of what we were going through. Yeah, in, in so the... it was kind of responding to that. Um, Jane Kenyon has a lot of poems about dealing with depression, too. Mm-hmm. So just not even in really pandemic times, but just as a condition that people have that I've kind of experienced, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your creativity is actually cre- is connected to that that in a weird way it's it something that forces you to write it's like writing is therapy almost for mm-hmm. that. but it helps yeah but it, it uh frames things and gives i think it, it um says to people Uh, it's, <laughs> it says to people that, um, you know, this is something 
this is we, right? This is, this is, um, the way the world is. Mm -hmm. She was a great observer of nature and, uh, just, but her poems were, you know, about daily life Mm -hmm. and just really, um, even if they were about some sad things, they always felt like, I don't know, she, she, let you enter her world. You felt connected, yeah. right? And I, that's what I enjoyed about her yeah. poem. I mean, if you are looking for a poem to get started with, to just make you fall in love with poetry, you should read her poem, Let Evening Come. It's just an amazing poem. I think I would agree with that one. Um, and I have her collection as well, so I'm going to go read that today. That's my my homework tonight. <laughs> um, hardly homework, though, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a, a joy to... Um, let that let a, take a moment for poetry in your day, and uh, so let's ask. Let me ask you this: because um, there'll be more poetry at the event at con- content. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you it, how do you read a poem? Is there? I, I was just thinking about that. If somebody isn't in the habit of reading a poem, is there a practice that you know you um, as far as? Uh, entering the poem, do you read it uh, once out loud? Do you, um, you know, try to respond to that poem in your own writing? Tell tell me about your practice of reading poetry. Uh, I usually don't read it out loud, but um, I was at a group with a bunch of poets last night, and they were all talking about how important it is to read poetry out loud. So. Now I'm thinking maybe I should start doing that. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting, the the um, book that I referenced from Joy Harjo, um, let me get that name of that book out again, uh, was um, When the Light of the World Was Subdued, Our Songs Came Through, a Norton mm-hmm. anthology. And so it's a, a quite a, a large mm-hmm. collection. And she said when they were trying to select them and they were trying to figure out what do we include, what don't we include, they read the entire collection out loud yeah. to decide... You know, they, could, they couldn't possibly publish everything that exists, right? That's not right. possible. But it is an important practice in poetry, so yeah. I haven't tried that myself either. Sometimes I do. When I'm writing poetry, you know, I'll read things out loud because I'm, you want to make sure that the rhythm of the line is correct and that things flow in the proper way, So, and it's hard to get that just looking at the page sometimes so but I don't know I I kind of I I always feel like I don't read poetry very out loud very well oh gosh I would beg to differ (laughs) you have a beautiful voice that yeah uh, and then you know I went to a poetry reading once and someone came up afterwards and said um I really like how you read your poems in a normal voice rather than in a poet voice so (laughs) I think that, I, yeah, there is sometimes folks put on, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're so, talking about, but it makes, reading it in, in your natural voice makes it feel uh, more accessible. But I think you, you have to, one of the things you have to remember to do is slow down and give people time to process it. So the, the goal is not to, I need to get through the reading of this poem, it's to linger on it in appropriate ways so it's not actually my normal voice really but it's kind of the voice i it's not totally artificial it's kind of finding ways to bring things out in the poem maybe but yeah no that's a really great uh, um and i was thinking that that might be 
for reading a poem, that might be a good, um, useful tip too, is to slow down. Don't race through the poem. Uh, read it maybe a little slower than you would a novel or a, you know, a magazine article and take your time with the poem. Yeah. I think that always helps. When you're thinking about writing a poem, uh, I think sometimes people need to, to, to consider uh, how you make that transition from, you know, a great observation or a um, description of an I- image or a connection between, you know, uh, something you've, you've, you're playing with. And when something like that transforms from a, no- a line in a notebook, right, mm-hmm. to a line in poetry, that... that how do you make that transition to create, especially when you're doing free verse and there aren't as many rules as some of the form poetry? Um, yeah, sometimes it's just something will happen or you'll observe something and you'll think about, and you've got other thoughts, other concerns in your head and you connect those two things. So like the poem reopening is kind of, thinking about how nice it was not to to kind of make the world a little bit smaller and so I would you know I see this hawk and its shadow overhead and I feel kind of like a s- small rabbit or something you know that <laughs> it's because I'm thinking about how there's this danger that's overshadowing you but it's kind of nice to be a small thing every now and then that's yeah exactly and so when you make that connection it's the universal maybe the um, it just sort of builds to a metaphor or plays plays a role in um, c- connecting the dots of the things that you've been observing. Yeah, yeah. I, there are I, other things, and I was thinking there are things in nature that are valuable that don't take up a lot of space, and you know, human beings generally take up a lot of space. And I was thinking it's really nice this time where I'm just not taking up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's knowing. So, so that's another example of um, thinking about yourself in the world and kind of making that connection. And that takes time with poetry. I think sometimes people have the uh, misunderstanding that it just comes in a flash to you, right? You really work through poems and work on line arrangement and uh, punctuation and, uh, you know, imagery and and vocabulary. Yeah. I mean, there are some poems, even poems that are actually published in a book that I can't change at this point where I think, why did I use that word instead of this other word, which would have been much better. (laughs) I bet every poet does that, right? So the work is actually never done. Yeah. So sometimes when I read those poems, I'll just substitute the word that I think it should have. (laughs) (laughs) Do people catch you? Not usually. Uh, Well, that's your poetic license, right? (laughs) To be able to do that. Yeah. Oh, it, it, I'm just so excited for all that's happening and um, all the great poetry that, that you've shared with our community and especially excited about Shelter in Place, the new work um, by Rob Hardy. I can't believe how fast our time has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wonder if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how how you think poetry um, has been a part of Northfield and has really help to shape this community and maybe, you know, some of the things you're dreaming about uh, for this community and for the poets that are here and that admire the what, what's happening in Northfield. Yeah, I mean, 
history of poetry in Northfield goes back a long time. I, uh, the first published poet to be born in Northfield was born in October of uh, 1876, so a month after the bank raid. Her name was Grace Fallow Norton. Um, her father was one of the bankers in town, and she ended up moving to New York and be, having four books of poetry published by Houghton Mifflin and being published regularly in Poetry Magazine. I actually have, you know, first editions of all of her books. Oh, um, how did you track those down? Like through Alibris and various oh, sure. uh, <laughs> um, places online. But And she's not really known today, but, I mean, she was our first poet. And, and the so first poetry book, there was a poetry book published in Northfield in 1888. Um, it was put together by Robert Watson and published by Joel Heatwall, who was the Northfield News publisher. And it's basically a collection of poems that appeared in the newspaper, many of them written by Watson himself. Mm. Um, so we have a long history of poets in the town. And I was talking earlier about poet laureates, the... Um, when it was called the consultant in poetry for the uh, Library of Congress before the name changed to Poet Laureate, the chair of the English department at Carleton was one of the consultants in poetry. Um, in He was the Poet Laureate, is what we would call it now, um, in 1964 and 65. His name was Reed Whittemore. And there was a very mm. famous national poetry magazine or literary magazine published at Carleton called the Carleton Miscellany. So, and then in the early 70s, the Northfield Women Poets got together a writing group that also published anthologies together and did readings together. And they were very prominent poetic voices in town for, thir it's going on 50 years now because they've changed their name to uh, penchant because some of them have moved away from Northfield. Yeah, and they are a great resource, and, and their collections uh, should certainly be available at yeah, the, the library. the public library has their collections. And we, it's, I was just thinking it's about a year since we lost Scott King, who was an amazing local poet and a publisher for Red Dragonfly Press, which is based in Northfield and published so many great poets. So we've had, you know, we had a really great independent publisher of poetry here. And of course we have the sidewalk poetry. We've got poems on the, in the public library, in the atrium and on the steps coming up from the river walk. Um, so we're, you know, there's poets, poetry and in, in all different corners of Northfield. And like I said, if you go into content and just look for Northfield poets, we've got, Leslie Schultz and Doug Green and Steve McCown and Diane LeBlanc. So Becky Bowling. Be Becky Bowling, yeah, we've got tons of, po I mean, I can't even remember all of them <laughs> at this moment because there are just so many of them. Well, I hope what that does for people is that they'll start noticing the poetry in their world and yeah. in their life. It's, it's more than you think because yeah. once you start noticing it, you'll see it everywhere. And we've actually had people, I mean, it's like a, good real estate selling thing because we've had people move to town because I want to be in a town that loves poetry so much that they put it on their sidewalks. So. Oh, yay. <laughs>
Well, it's been such a thrill to be able to have this conversation with you and to celebrate this publication of Shelter in Place. I hope everybody joins us on Thursday, the 21st of April, 2022, at 7 p.m. at Content, so we can hear more stories and, and listen to you read some more of your poems. Thanks. Thank you, Rob. Rob Hardy was my guest today on Artsany Radio. What a thrill. I just really enjoy his work, and so I'm glad that I could spend the time and introduce you to his work. Folks, you've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Please don't forget to add some Art Zany or some poetry to your life. And in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. 